0: Today, we're bringing you part two of our conversation with the author of Exponential Theory, Aaron Baer, on the spiritual side of exponential technology and Aaron's journey around the world. You're listening to Joel Beasley, Modern CTO. There's a number of ways to go with this, but one of my first thoughts with the GPT advancements was it's making everybody rich in the sense that if it was the 1800s, right? I would have to go around and hire all these brilliant people, bring them to me, put together this community, and start to, you know, query them and interact with them, figure out where things are. I can take GPT now and say, "Here's 20 books. Consume only these 20 books, and then I'm going to ask you questions about it, and you're going to be an expert." I could say, "Now read these other 20 books about thinking and apply this framework to this knowledge set," and then I can I have this ability to do this for basically free, you know, pennies, if that. And that is insane. That that information at your fingertips is, it'll change everything. It'll allow people to work and as hard as they want. And when I start thinking about this and I run my business, we're not huge. We have less than 20 people, but I've gotten, I've been running it for about six years. And so I've gotten to experience a lot of different people and coming and going and, and things of that nature. The premium is on the desire and drive to do something, not the, as you would say, like the information or the how it's just the ability. Like if I made a button, <laughs> Aaron, <laughs> that just, it was a money button and you could wake up, you, you could press the button all the time. Eventually people would like stop pressing the button because they'd be too lazy to press the button. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So some people just don't want to get up and do stuff. Some people just want to sit around and do nothing. And that's something I think the technology will make more apparent. Yeah, I, I
1: think that's part of my own program, the XMBA, is, is to understand we're in abundance technology. I mean, we could spend all of our time learning new technology and never learn, never really ever catch up. But it's, it's having the mindset, belief, and attitude to be able to leverage it and then the motivation. and I think that also is finding your purpose and and finding, you know, uh, something that you can really think bigger on and contribute to the world. And I think what you said is knowledge is abundant, meaning we all now have access at our fingertips. Like it does make degrees less valuable. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, a network is good if you go to certain colleges, um, but just a degree becomes less valuable. What becomes important though, to me, and that's why I created the XMBA is I used to teach in these business schools and people would, create these business models that they didn't They would just do it academically but i realized that you could very much see the people that people had passion and purpose versus ones that didn't and those are the ones that are getting funded and maybe they fail because they get blindsided or whatever but they get back up and they do it again my goal is to figure out how to get that mindset belief and attitude so that people can then apply that their passion and purpose to themselves um and that's where then you start to leverage ai and web3 and all these technologies that are just enablers to do things at speed that we've never done before. And I think that's also part of, you know, growth in itself. And as we grow exponentially, as the world kind of, um, and I learned a new word the other day, it was called Tetra Tinehan, which is exponential in all directions. And that's really where we're at right now is we're just exploding with technology, which means that most people are going to say, well, it doesn't affect me. Because they want to, to your point, not change. But what we're going to see is that it it has already impacted every person on this planet. I mean, everyone, you know, right now you can't even go to some retail locations without a smartphone because they only have digital or, you know, you have a credit card or something. Like all these systems have uh, really upgraded to understand that the mass of society has now adopted these technologies and it is, you know, equitably. You know, for twenty five dollars, you could get a smartphone now. So it's, it's all of a sudden, you know, access to information is not the problem. It's now how do you take the inner wisdom to know how to decipher the abundance of information so that you can apply in a way that is meaningful to you and to, you know, what you want to create. And I think that's part of um, the conundrum today. Is we probably all have too much opportunity, and that's where, you know, there's. They're, you know, and I say everyone because there's programs and there's systems that for a long time, people didn't understand how to leverage them. Now with the internet and, you know, honestly, an AI that can help you navigate whatever problem you're having. And that's where self-therapy and all these different things are coming. We're literally changing the world where we are going to solve our problems at a much faster rate. Just what it means to me and what it means to ex-MBA graduates is... We need to find bigger and bigger problems to solve because the small problems are all going to fade away. And they are starting to, for a lot of people, not all people, because people choose to focus on small problems. And, um, and I talk about a little bit about trauma and self-limiting beliefs and even people that have road rage or whatever, if, if you're not able, if your mind's not bigger than your emotions, then you're never going to get anywhere. If your emotions run your mind, you're, you just got to understand that. Um, if you can get angry and it can derail you, that's the first part of kind of the self therapy that I think technology started to enable people. The second part is really then understand how to leverage all of these systems in a coherent way so that it takes you where you want to go, like where you personally, and that's where the first time in the world is. We generally just had people tell us what to do, go to school, go get a job, you know, go do this and then, you know, retire. And what we are learning now is that promise is not there anymore of loyalty and jobs and all that. So it's we have to actually there's actually more risk in taking a job than there is creating your own job. And I think that's where the world is changing very, very quickly now.
0: I always thought that was so funny when you'd go want to buy a house or or use financing in some way. And if you're the business owner, they see you as incredibly risky. But if you work for me, you can get a loan on like way better terms. You're super stable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, wow, this is this is a it, it may I get it because I have a higher risk tolerance, right? That's why I'm in this position in the first place. But I always just found it slightly odd because they have the employees by definition have less control over the direction of the business than the the principles of the business.
1: Yeah. It's it's an interesting parable that I think as we we learn, um, in the growth of, of the idea of all the different ways we can make money today, which you start to realize that people have multiple streams of income are much less risky than someone that has one stream of income. And I, I take that to people that are in side hustles and all these different things. Um, you know, what, what ultimately happens is the people that commit all their time to one thing though, and go all in it are the ones that go exponential. And that's the The hard thing today is that there's just too many opportunities to make side money and do different things. And we're inundated with it, with ideas of how to make a little extra money here, whether it's being an Uber driver or, you know, you know, marketing Airbnbs or, I mean, there's infinite opportunities uh, out there for people today, taking surveys, whatever it is, but it's then finding like, what is really meaningful to you that you want to do every day. And that's Kind of part of my own purpose is to help people think exponential about those things, uh, and also just even comp- inside companies, I work with a lot of companies and senior leaderships that, they don't you know majority eighty seven percent of people aren't really happy in their jobs. Um, it's because That's they such a they crazy really,
0: statistic, right?
1: Yeah, it's 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 uh, enormous, and I think we're in a place in the world that we should figure out what makes us happy. Because we have abundance, like unemployment rate, is fairly low. And for people that have some skills, you know, and I, I I take all the people in the Silicon Valley that lost their jobs, you know, most of them are still getting a paycheck and already have another job. Right. I mean, it's, it's, you know, as you look at these company, people coming out of Facebook, they're either doing startups, all these different things. I, and I really said this when, when Twitter laid off the first group, these computer science people, there's plenty of jobs for computer science people to kind of go out and find and create for themselves. And I think what I, what I hope to see out of this kind of great big tech layoff is that we see a lot of new startups that kind of solve exponential problems in new ways. And that's all a mindset thing. Like when something happens to you, you're a victim, but when you take whatever happens to you and make it as, uh, the opportunity for you to create the next big thing, that's what we'll see out of, um, uh, a certain percentage of these people that have been laid off and that's going to be exciting to see. And I, I I see it. I see the noise of the startup communities already kind of picking up because you, you see these people re-energized about the world because most of them didn't like their job in the first place. So now they can work on something that they care about and want to, want to be a
0: part of. I'm curious about your origins. So I'll give a brief, I'll share first and then you can, you can bounce back. The big things that I see when I look back on my life, milestones that helped me become who I am and, how I think is I got hit by a car when I was 11, 12. I had to learn how to walk again. I went through that process, which took a year. My mom got sick and they said she had two years and she ended up only having six weeks. But the the positive to the negative situation was that me and my siblings, we got to all be in the room and hold her hand as she passed away. That was the real big moment for me when I got into personal development and d- decided to start trying really hard. And what i found is I've I've done 600 plus of these interviews with great people, and I've, I found that in almost all of them, there's these big defining moments in their life where they decide to make this change. And I was curious what yours was if you had one.
1: Yeah, no, I, I uh, in the in the book I kind of talk about it as my launching point as I went on this. Um I grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana, a very small town. Like the world was big and foreign, you know, anything outside the United States was crazy, Um, but I actually, to get an internship in Chicago, I, I I went to Notre Dame and I didn't go to Notre Dame as, as a student, but I went to their career service center. I broke in, I didn't break in, but I walked in and I did interviews with people on their career center and the interviews didn't work out. I literally told them I went to school down the road, um, Indiana Institute of Technology, where I had a soccer scholarship, very small school. But what happened is walking out is I saw a poster for something called Semester at Sea. And it was about something to travel around the world. And it was a defining moment that I took this this little handout, this little brochure, took it home and just said, at all costs, whatever I'm going to do is I'm going to expand my worldview. And I always wanted to be I guess you could say an explorer or go out and see the world. And, um, ultimately what I did is, uh, six months later, flew a plane to the Bahamas, got on a, uh, ship with 500 other students and went to Venezuela, Brazil, South Africa, Kenya, Tanzania, India, Sri Lanka, Vietnam, China, Singapore, uh, Japan, and then back to Seattle. So I circumnavigated the world aboard a ship and, every culture I went into, I learned one about different people and their views on the world. Um, but I also expanded my view, but just having a reflection time going in and out of all these different places and just myself, because I had not known anyone that ever been on this program. When I went, I was very different. You know, most people were of means and had traveled considerably. I had never been outside the country. You know, um, I'd been across the border in Canada, uh, near Detroit, but never really been outside the country in a meaningful way. And, that defining moment of coming back was really, when I got back, I had this reflection of how, you know, I had this experience where we went to a McDonald's in Seattle and I hadn't had McDonald's, in, you know, quite some time. Cause we we're in places that just didn't have McDonald's at that point. And we went into McDonald's with my parents and they were just so impatient about everything. And I'm like thinking like, oh, wow. I've had the wait, you know, patience that we have. And you know, just the fact that everything is not available instantaneously around the world. And you just have this perspective of how, you know, how good it was to be an American, but also how good it was to see people from that. There are great things about other cultures. And part of it is the exact opposite of what we think is great about America is to embrace these opposing thoughts. And I think it always served me well as uh, Shakespeare and Scott Fitzgerald always said something very similar is, you know, genius is the ability to hold two opposing thoughts. And I think today that's also served me very well. Um, As I've advised political parties on both sides, you know, having these conversations about how do we think bigger about their party as well as government in general. I've also, you know, CEOs, I coach several different CEOs uh, up to a $10 billion energy company. And those conversations are always come back to this defining moment of my ability to have two opposing thoughts is to be very objective to understand, like, there's always two sides to a story. And if we're going to grow the story the biggest, like what's the biggest story we can tell ourselves about it. And then we can tell the world about it. And most of the world is about storytelling and most of the people that are successful tell better stories. And so I really embraced this story that I told about myself traveling around the world and it redefined my identity and my belonging. And I started to think of myself as a citizen of the globe. Yes, I'm from the United States, but like, how do we raise tides for everyone? not just for, you know, us and our family, which, um, I probably didn't have that thinking growing up. You know, I, I grew up in a little bit of a utopia in South Fort Wayne where, uh, racism and different things. We didn't have much of it because we just were all together. And, um, you know, I, I went to a predominantly, uh, African-American middle school and high school changed a little bit, but those experiences, I had some empathy as well as what I will call compassion for all people. Um, because I was friends, and you know, I think ignorance is built out of not knowing. But then, when you go around the world and you see from all these different cultures and perspectives, is there's something unique about all those different points of view? And that's kind of part of where I grew into the exponential theory. So I can link it all the way back. Is exponential theory is growing con- conscious about the world, but it's also thinking bigger about all people and helping all people, and all 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 boats rise in the tide. And I think that really goes to this rapid expansion that I had in my own, you know, mind, uh, during that time. And I've never stopped learning. I just, it accelerated my learning so much and I've just consumed, uh, knowledge. Uh, but to the point that I'm now at a place that I understand that it's not the knowledge you consume. It's really the wisdom and your own inner belief and your exponential mindset, belief and attitude to, to what you can impact the world. And that's where my world and the people I tracked into it, including yourself in this podcast and other things, and whoever else is listening to this, um, really helps, you know, grow that. And it's growing my mission as well as I want to help every single person out there think bigger, um, from whatever country they're from, from whatever circumstance of, cause we're not our past. We're not the circumstances we were born into. We're not, we're literally standing here with the opportunity today. Now to think about the future. And to leverage the same technologies that none of us understand and really grow into, you know, disrupting whatever the status quo is, which is all the people sitting on the sidelines saying that things are not going to change. The only thing that I'm certain of is that things are going to radically change at a faster pace than we've ever seen before. Every five years, it's just going to be a blink of an eye. Like literally the next 10 years, we're probably going to have as much innovation as we've had in the last 30,000 years. And that's, yep. that's not, that's not a stretch to think about, but that just shows you the exponential curve that we're on right now that we have to think in new ways. And that's why I think my program, Exponential Alliance, I believe in Attitude is timely. And I honestly think that we someday, um, and it's probably sooner than I think. I used to say, I'm going to work on creating 1 million exponential leaders for the rest of my life. There'll be someday I have to rename the company 1 billion exponential leaders. Where are you at now? We're about 10,000, so we're on that exponential curve where we're we're starting off, but the whole goal is just to continue to grow this to, you know, we were at a conference last week. We had a couple hundred different companies express interest. So we're, we're in this process of growth because ideally if you don't have a company culture that it's thinking big and exponential, um, and you're not enabling innovation to come from anywhere, you will be disrupted. And, you know, I have lots of examples in the book and I think that's where, gotten some good reviews on Amazon and obviously was a number one bestseller and hit Wall Street and USA Today. Been blessed in those areas, one year anniversary of the book, and it's still selling, you know, ferociously. And, you know, my goal is to just get more and more people to think exponential because they either buy the book, they join the course, or they engage me to kind of help them and their companies think bigger. And, you know, that, that becomes a purpose is I don't want to do anything outside of that because I've realize that through all my history of growing and learning, it's to come to this point, whether it was neuroscience or behavioral economics or all these different subjects I include in the XMBA, the goal is to help each individual, no matter where they are, kind of think bigger about who they are. And because each one of us now have been enabled more than any other generation in history to make an impact on the world. It's just our choice. It's our mindset because we all have the same tools. I mean, it's not that, you know, a hundred years ago, there was a very big difference between the royal families and the rest of the world of what tools they had. You know, now we're all, sta- we're all fighting for the same uh, Wi-Fi, and the same speeds, and we all have that same speed and we have the same internet and we have the same ability to kind of do those things. And that's just really exciting to me to be part of something that's, um, you know, and help people kind of think that, wow, you're part of this system that is changing and if it's disrupting you, it's forcing you into a new opportunity. And that's just
0: whether your mindset accepts it or not. People want to learn more about the book. Where do they go? What do they type in?
1: Yeah, you can uh learn more on my website, AaronBear.com. And the course is XMBA.io, because you come in as a linear thinker and you go out as an exponential thinker. So that's our uh, our goal is to help people think bigger. It's a seven week course and um we're uh, launching the open course now. We've done it with a lot of different companies and kind of, like I said, got feedback from about 10,000 people. Now it's time to really scale that. So we're we're ending our deceptive phase where uh, our goal is to really uh, grow this and impact as many people as possible. And it's really a learning community where I think today um, it's this continuous idea to help and learn each other, learn from each other and grow. And that's ideally what we're creating, which um, just feel really happy that I am where I am. I struggled for so many years to kind of find my own place, which I think a lot of people do, but it really is when you when you find it and you know it and you become certain, it, it becomes exponential. And that's where every day I go out with a goal to talk to people and help expand their mindset and you know, get on a podcast like yours. And hopefully 10 or 20 or 50 or 100 people kind of take this call to action to say, I want to think bigger about myself, whether they download the, my ebook for free, which is available through com, or they buy it on Amazon, or they end up taking the course. Doesn't matter. It's It's just all part of my journey to make an impact.
0: Well, thank you for being out there, creating these types of resources, creating these types of communities, because, you know that is right up my alley. And I love when I got to learn about you and discover you through through my team and I was like this guy, he's like a business, technology, Tony Robbins like all mixed together in one. And I was like, I like this guy. Let's let's talk to him. So, thank you so much for doing this. You're on
1: your way too. So, I got your book and uh, really really enjoyed um kind of some of your disruptive thoughts to to really break down some somewhat I think stereotypes as well as just ideas to, to really help people think bigger about the CTO role. Um, which I think is really important to be there on the business side, making decisions today and not, not necessarily just being, as you said, a developer, um, it really is, you know, plotting the future. And we're seeing more and more of that over CTOs are the track to the CEO role, especially in technology companies and, you know, understanding the business side of it. And that's, I do play in the version of that. And then, as you said, part of it is also the mindset to help both sides of those communicate with each other, which is really a gap right now in, in most big companies, um, and especially amongst their board of directors and the companies themselves. It's closing those gaps, which I find fascinating and fun. And um, every day I enjoy kind of talking about these big things.
0: And those are the opportunities, right? Closing those gaps. Yeah.
1: Yep. And that's, that's where things get crazy, crazy big and fast. And I've been part of some unbelievably uh, exciting companies and and look forward to being a part of the quite a few
0: more in the future aaronbear.com right yep aaronbear.com perfect we made a podcast aaron how do you feel feel great thank you so much for listening and if you found this episode useful please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it and if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast either add me on linkedin